That's right, Texas has its own community-run Linux Fest on April 10th, 2010 in Austin, Texas. Go to TexasLinuxFest.org for details. And remember, get your Linux on. I'm Austin bound, get my eyes set on the price. Join us for the 2010 Southeast Linux Fest as we once again celebrate Linux and open source software in the GNU slash South. Due to the overwhelming response last year, this year's event will be bigger, better, and longer. Self 2010 will take place Friday, June 11th through Sunday, June 13th at the Spartanburg Marriott at Renaissance Park in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Be there for UbuCon, Fedora Activity Day, BSDA Certification, Drupal Camp, multiple parties featuring Dual Core as well as the guys from Mystery Side Theater 3000 as Rift Tracks, and an even more expansive group of superb speakers, sponsors, and exhibitors. Self is free to attend, but hurry and register today to lock in the special discount room rate at the hotel. Register today at southeastlinuxfest.org. And just despite popular belief, rumors of my my uh, disappearance and, or arrest has been greatly exaggerated. This is Richard KB Five JBV, and welcome to this edition of Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, I'm here. Life is good. Well, life's not as good as it could be, but as good as it can get right now. And uh, let me go ahead and introduce co-host of this extravaganza, the guy that's going to divorce me because he, he's already taken to follow another co-host, Russ, uh, K5TUX. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Hello, everybody. This is Russ, K5TUX. Uh, welcome to episode 32 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Let's all welcome Richard back from his... Uh, <clears throat> unfortunate uh absence from the last episode we we really missed you richard we're glad that you're back and i know it was unfortunate circumstances and we do sympathize we all do i know everybody in the chat room sympathizes with your absence and we we respect your loss and we we understand that life has been hard for you but we do appreciate you coming back and we appreciate that you're back, because while Bill and Ted are good substitute co-hosts, they are no match for Richard KB5JBV. Plus, I have the keys. I have the keys to the to the server. <laughs> 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 All right, we're gonna try and get y'all some stuff. Like I uh, like Russ was saying, I had kind of a difficult week last week, so. Uh, uh, for those of y'all that listen to me regularly on the other show, we are probably going to spend most of this show freestyling. So y'all just hang with us and we're going to, we're going to do the best we can. Okay. I guess we probably need to go. I hadn't been that long. I think I remember the order. We probably need to go ahead and start with some feedback. Uh, Russ has all the feedback because he's being greedy and <laughs> we're going to turn him loose. Go ahead, Russ. Oh, you want me to talk again? I had to talk all last episode, and now you want me to do more of it. Yes. Oh, boy. All right. You you don't have anything? Nope. Can I send you something? <laughs> nope. No. You send it over here if you want to. I've only got a couple of things. i got three pieces of feedback, two of which are Google Alerts. 
The first one is we were mentioned on a, a new site, apparently. I don't know how new it is, but it's a site called Podcast Sniper. It's apparently a podcast aggregator. And the only thing that makes me interested in this site is it looks like the only way that you get on it is that you have to be nominated or mentioned. Someone has to go over there and say, I want to put this website over here on Podcast Sniper. <clears throat> Boy, I'm glad I can edit this out later. Anyway. <clears throat> so your nose is all runny. Yeah, you I know. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, we're mentioned over there, and we're mentioned in the technology section. Linux in the Ham Shack has a link over there at podcastsniper.com. And we're listed under the newly added podcasts on the main page as well. And it doesn't say anything about who sent us over there or all that, but it does give us a RSS feed and links to the episodes and all that kind of good stuff. The only thing that kind of sucks about it is uh, there's a lot of ads for Viagra over there. Doesn't doesn't lead me to uh, want to recommend anyone go over to Podcast Sniper and check us out, because, by the way, if you happen to listen to the show, you probably know where to download us anyway. But as it happens, Google Alert told us that we're over there and blah, 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 blah. So if you want to find us at Podcast Sniper and want to check out that website, it does happen to look like a WordPress site who has a pretty good theme and and all that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> I could probably give you all kinds of good information about Oh, boy. Wow. I'm just clicking buttons here anyway. Uh, so anyway, we're over at Podcast Sniper. Um if that works for somebody, fine. If it doesn't, fine. Sounds like Richard uh, had an intake of breath there, which means he's going to comment about something. Oh, I was just going to say, all of our listeners are virile and manly men. So uh far as the Viagra ads, y'all can probably get your podcast someplace else without having to deal with them because we are real men. Uh, we are amateur radio operators. Okay, some of us aren't. Some of us are Linux, Linux guys, but that makes us real men, too. It's not like we use Windows or Apple. Hey, some of us do. Some of us <laughs> use the right tool for the job. Well, see, that brings us back to the Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> well put, well put. I, want, I hope Paul, oh, no, Paul's in here. I, I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> but Both Pauls are in here, yeah, the... the uh, Whiskey, okay, I'm going to have to go back up to it. Whiskey one, okay, I'm almost there. Hang on. Whiskey one, Papa Lima Mike. I'm going to remember that at some point. And then uh, Kilo Charlie nine, Quebec Yankee Delta, uh, Quebec Yankee Bravo. Sorry, KC9 QIB. Boy, I almost had it there. I feel like I, I can almost do the radio call words like I'm like I'm a professional or something. I try not to. I try not to talk bad in front of in front of little Paul. You know, he he. I don't want to warp his psyche. He has a new picture over on Twitter. You should check it out. He looks very respectable. Hmm. Oh, we can't have that. I know. Hey, Paul, KC Nine QYB. Do you want to comment on your new photo on Twitter? No. Of course he doesn't. Anyway, he was talking about Linux Mint Eight while ago. We were anyway. talking about Linux Mint 8 on the last episode. Anyway, I do have one other Google alert from, uh, and this one mentions a blog from a uh, from an amateur radio operator, and his call sign is ZL2CCO. That'd be Zulu Lima 2 Charlie Charlie Oscar. And he has a blog in which he stated on February 14th, that would be Valentine's Day for the rest of us, I discovered the Linux in the Hamshack site, http colon slash slash blacksparrowmedia.com stroke LHS, a while back, and rediscovered it again today. I like this site. Hey, you can't put it more simply than that. So, fantastic. So, thank you very much to Zulu Lima 2 Charlie Charlie Oscar for mentioning us on his blog. And I guess since he did that, we should probably put it on our website. He's got us on his blog roll over there, so we should definitely reciprocate. 
Well, we definitely want to get him on in there. And, uh, yeah, I'm for that, that one kind of confused me because that's normally the way the, the way the, uh, spammers try and get in. But, uh, I, I believe I saw that also. And, uh, and thank you. It's nice to know that we, uh, we are appreciated, uh, down in New Zealand, Australia. Uh, uh, I understand they're even, uh, blasting us down in, Ta- in Tasmania. So you guys blast us louder. That's one of the reasons we try not to overlap the music anymore. So you guys can cut the pertinent stuff out and, uh, uh, listen to the music on your own time. But thank you very much for, uh, for giving us a mention on your blog. So you got anything else for us? I don't know, but I'm going to ask one of those stupid questions that I could easily look up the answer to, but I'm hoping somebody else has it first. And that is, where is ZL2? New Zealand. That ZL2 is in New Zealand. It's not a VK. Uh, no, I think it's New Zealand. See, this is one of those things where, I, like I said, I should have looked it up. You know, I don't have my my list here close. I think. It, Somebody go over to go go over to. Uh, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm already looking it up. Hey, no, 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 no. I'm already looking it up. ZL2. Ted's got it. Tim's got it. Ted's got it. Oh, Ted's got it. What's he got? New Zealand. All right. Ted says ZL Z Lima two is New Zealand. So excellent, excellent, excellent. Cha ching, Richard is right again. Yes, you are. You are awesome. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Of course, then again, if you was around me after I had dinner like I had tonight, you would think I was. Hey, we had a hell of a dinner down in Euless. Thank, thank God barbecue doesn't affect me that way. We wouldn't have been able to ride back to Mesquite. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> that barbecue we had down there at the at North Main, the, I was tasting that for about two and a half days afterwards. I don't know about you. Ah, save, savor the flavor. It, well, I, I definitely did. I'm going to take my father out there. All right. So uh, any more feedback before we finish up, Russ? I do have one more bit. Oh, yeah. Tell them all about it. All right. This came from Doug. Um, and does he have a call sign? Yes, he does. This is N6LMX, November 6th, Lima Mike X-Ray. Uh, Doug sent us a thing about episode 31 because I made a comment about an iPod microphone, and he has a rebuttal, so to speak. It says, Russ, I've got, I've re- <clears throat> it says, Russ, I've not gotten completely through episode 31 yet, but I wanted to comment on the microphone issue for an iPod Touch. I use a Griffin SmartTalk headphone adapter for the iPhone, which works perfectly well with the iPod Touch. The best part is that it's only $19.99, as opposed to the $80 options you commented on. I had the same issue with Bryce, and I was happy to find this one. I picked up one at Fry's, the electronic store everyone loves to hate. For your convenience, here's the URL to the device. And he did send me the URL, which I'll forward on to Bill, which will somehow wind up in the show notes. Thanks again for a great show, and and please give Richard my best. Doug Jones, November 6th, Lima Mike X-Ray. He gave you his best. As long as it has lots of zeros behind it. As long as what has lots of zeros behind it his best <laughs> and a dollar sign in front uh see <laughs> see excellent okay so i did i did go over to fries.com and checked out this thing what's kind of neat about it is it's just an interface cable it allows you to plug any set of stereo headphones into this device and what it does is it adds a microphone to your headphones any set of headphones you have and then it plugs into the standard iPod Touch headphone jack and gives you microphone support. And as he said, this thing costs $19.99, so it is a fantastic option as opposed to one of the iPod dock connector microphones that I had found, which cost $60, $70, and up. So this is a great way to go, and I will forward this information on to Bill, and he will put it in the episode number 32 show notes so that everybody who wants a microphone for their iPod Touch can find one of these things over at fries.com. And that's and pretty much is, all I have to say about that. And this is one of those instances where I feel that cheaper is better. Everybody knows that Richard is a tight wad, and I'm trying to get away from the iPods myself. That's why I have one of these. Let me see if it shows up in the picture. This is the old one, if I can hold my hand still. This is the older one 
of the ones I have. This is a Sansa clip. Yes, it is. And the Sansa clip comes with a built-in microphone. So I can record with it and not have to worry about it. I also have two uh, clip pluses laying around here someplace. So, and when I get them loaded up with SD cards, they will have almost as much, uh, storage space as my full grown iPod had before it died. But there you go. And thank you for that, inter- that good piece of information because, uh, November 6th, Lehman Mike X-Ray. Doug. Well, no, I was having, I was being attacked by dinner. Hang on. Oh, you're having a seizure, were you? Yeah. Okay. And thank you for that piece of information because, uh, I know there's a lot of folks out there moving towards the iPods. I, I, on the other hand, am moving the other direction because, uh, uh, it's just too much of a pain to, to work with them as far as Linux concerned. But that's okay. All right. Uh, Russ, you said that's the last, last of the feedback. And, uh, that is the last of the feedback, right? That is the last of the feedback, except to mention once again that we did meet our goal for the Dayton Ham Fest. We have received all of the money we need for that. The website reflects all of the donations that we got. And I am just about to order our booth space, and we are going to be out there. And I believe Richard said that he will be there as well. I, I don't want to put 100% on that. We'll call it a 90% chance that Richard will be out there at Dayton. Uh, but I will certainly be there. And we want to see everybody who listens to this program who has even the slightest ability to get out to Dayton, Ohio in May of this year. And we expect everyone to come up to our booth and say hello. And actually, uh, the backer is back. He backed out on us for a little while and now he's back, back in or walked forward in or something. And he is back. So we are back in negotiations on getting that happening. As soon as I have it pinned down, I will make sure y'all know. And there was a group of podcasters that were wanting to meet up at Dayton a couple of years back. I think I'm even going to try and, uh, uh, touch base with some of them and see if they're going to be able to make it. All right, so we got feedback out of the way. Let me say one more thing, and uh, then we'll probably get out of here for the break. This is a uh, Richard's touching, moving moment corner thing. Bob, yeah. Uh, thank y'all for being patient last week. And uh, uh, for those of you who don't know at this time, my mother passed away last week, and we had a lot of stuff to do to get it straightened out. And uh, I'd like to thank all of y'all for being so patient and understanding. Uh, I'd like to thank Bill and Ted for coming in here and helping out last week. Uh, I don't know what I'd have done without them. And... Uh, like I said, y'all keep listening. This was just a little snag in the road as far as the show's concerned, and some of you probably don't even care, but that's okay. Uh, uh, those of you who uh, helped out, I just wanted to make sure I told everybody I appreciate it. All right, with that, uh, let's go ahead and uh, spin a little music, Russ, and uh, we'll be back on the other side, y'all. Daddy's arms 
back everybody to segment two of linux in the ham shack episode number 32 and now that we have richard back from his slightly delayed uh life that he's been living over the past month or so and we do appreciate that he's back and i don't want to disparage bill and ted because they were excellent excellent fill-ins for while richard was gone but there is no replacement whatsoever for the kilo bravo five uh, what the hell is your call sign again? <laughs> uh, Fred Yankee Fred. <laughs> <laughs> there is no replacement whatsoever for Richard. So he's going to talk about some stuff that we brought up in the last episode, uh, VHF and UHF satellite communications. So go ahead, Richard. We are glad to have you back, and let's talk about satellites. Well, thank you for that touching tribute. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, y'all were sitting around talking. I caught myself. I was tr- listening to the episode so I could get caught up. So you, I would know what to talk to you folks about tonight because, uh, I got left out last week, last time. Thing is, I kept sitting there trying to answer Russ's questions on stuff while, while I was sitting there listening to it. And one of the things that, uh, really kind of stuck out for me is, uh, the satellite thing. You know, Russ hadn't, operated that a lot my father my father over the years has been trying to get into satellites and stuff and uh, there's a lot of stuff that if you took the x that was included in the extra class test sometime back i don't know if it's still in there or not that are are basic things but i want to just talk about some of the some of the simple things that 
are involved. Some of the, some of the terms you might hear used and that kind of stuff. Okay, so let's let's start off with uh, what is a satellite? A satellite is basically a repeater in space. And uh, some of the things that we need to know that we don't pick up in our everyday life is you have things that are involved and you have to learn about the different stuff so that you're able to uh, eventually get your system set up and get on the satellites. One of the things that's uh, kind of kind of hard for some people to uh, understand is Doppler shift or Doppler effect. Now, we used to say it's like a train coming at you and then a train going away from you. And as as the train comes towards you, the uh, pitch of the whistle goes up. As it goes away from you, it goes down in uh, in pitch. Well, a lot of people don't live around trains anymore. So uh, I like to use an ambulance. But as the ambulance is coming up on you and the sirens are wailing and it's getting higher and higher and higher in pitch, when it goes past you, it, the pitch starts to drop. Now... With sound waves, it's pretty prominent and pretty easy to hear when uh, an ambulance goes by. You can hear the Doppler shift in the in the sound in the sound waves off the ambulance. Well, we have a very similar effect that happens with satellites, mostly because of the speed at which they travel. So, as the satellite's coming towards you, it may be tra- it may be transmitting on one one frequency. But as it comes closer and closer, it will climb up in frequency as far as where the satellite center frequency is. And as it passes by, it'll drop back down. And at some point, it should hit the center frequency of what the the transmitter on the satellite is actually on and then start to go back up again. That's basically what Doppler shift means. And what that means is that when you're working the satellites, depending on how fast they're moving, you will probably have to adjust your rig one direction or the other. Sometimes it's a great big shift. Sometimes it's not. Depends on the distance of the satellite. Now, one of the ways we know that there's a difference is you have satellites that come across the sky really, really fast. And we have some that may hang in the sky for hours. Now, it's not that the ones that go through the sky are going really, really fast as opposed to the ones that hang there for a long time. Uh, What it is is the distances involved. The space shuttle and the International Space Station, for the most part, only circle the Earth about 200 miles up. Now, slightly higher than that is where most most communication satellites and uh, a bunch of amateur radio satellites and stuff are located. But it's it's going to be fairly close to the Earth. Now, the average speed of a space shuttle to keep it in orbit is about 17,000 miles an hour. I think that's right, 17,000. Somebody will correct me in the chat room if I'm mistaken. That's enough to keep the uh, satellites in orbit around the Earth. Now, you have some that are even further out. Some of the ones that were furthest out the last time I looked into it. And before I go any further, let me tell you guys reason i know this stuff is i've attempted three or four times to start getting into satellite and something has occurred and i've not been able to but the last time i checked some of the ones that were the furthest out were orbiting at twenty-one thousand miles that's a pretty long way out that's further out than your satellites for your uh, for your tvr or probably just no it's closer than that because most of those are in geosynchronous orbit which is further out but those are the ones that hang have the huge footprint, and I'll explain footprint in a minute for those of y'all that don't understand. They have a huge footprint, and they hang in the sky for hours, sometimes days, depending on uh, how their orbit is, is, is running. So uh, footprint is the amount of coverage that the satellite's going to have as it passes over. Now, in the case of these fast, low satellites, the ones that move really fast, there are not going to be a whole lot of people see the satellite at the same time. And it's just like, uh, I don't know, working your two-meter repeater. If you can see that repeater and somebody else can see that repeater, y'all can work each other. And it works the same way with the satellites, if you have the right setup. But we'll get to that in a minute. So now we've talked about altitude a little bit and Doppler shift a little bit. And one of the things we have to understand is we go back to the distances one more time. You have to have some kind of power to get to these satellites. It's getting more and more common that you can work them with a handheld 
But in that case, you're still going to have to have an antenna with some kind of gain. Now, my father has an antenna over at his house, which is a four-element, cross-polarized, handheld uh, boom or beam antenna. You can track one across the sky that way if you have the proper information. We'll get to that a little bit later. At the very least, you're going to need something with some gain if you're going to work some of these satellites that are sensitive enough to work on a handheld. In most cases, and let me explain for those who don't understand, and we're covering a lot of stuff right together here in the next few weeks or so. If y'all have questions about this, please send us an email, and I'll try to elaborate. In fact, I think I'm going to try and uh, also build a segment for the other show on this again. I think we already did satellites over there, but we'll give it another shot. Now, one of the other things you need to know about these satellites is like I said, they're pretty much a repeater in the sky for the most part. Most of these repeaters use what's called a linear transponder. There used to be some out there that had nonlinear transponders, but uh, for the most part, now they're all linear transponders. Now, what that means is they're, it's a repeater, but it's a broad-banded repeater, meaning that instead of operating on one frequency, it op- operates over a wider range of frequencies. And without getting too far into it, it's what you really need to know is that what goes in comes out on a corresponding frequency. On an inverting tra- uh, linear transponder, you go in on the low side of the pass band, you come out on the high side of the pass band. Uh, this is stuff y'all will probably have to go out to the Internet and take a look at. Now, remember, some of these satellites, like I said a while ago, they're below geosync orbit, uh, which Ted, uh, not Ted, Glenn tells me in the chat room that geosync's 2,236 miles, or 22,236 miles. And uh, some of these AOSATs are up at 21,000 miles. So uh, you definitely need to attempt to get some gain happening. You're going to want to track these satellites because some of them will pop up over the horizon and never come high enough that you can even hit them. Some will. There are some that will go straight overhead. I have seen them, been tracking them on some software, and seen them, they'll pop up about as high as the tree line and then go back down. This is top of the tree line, back down. For those of y'all watching in the chat room. Sometime back there was a fellow named Kepler. And uh, he figured out how to track the motion of planets using math. And to this very day, there's a set of uh, elements put out by a couple of different places. Have y'all noticed I haven't said AMSAT yet? I will. Uh, a couple of different places that uh, they put out these this set of data. And you can plug this data into, if you know how to do it without the the software, uh, you can do it that way, but most of us go ahead and plug this data into a piece of software. The piece of software will translate it to the path of the satellite and show you in, uh, graphically in real time or in uh, in a table view what the passes are going to be, uh, how long the pass is going to last, when the signal, and when you're going to get acquisition of signal, when you're going to lose the signal. A lot of data can be involved. That's one of the reasons most people use software. But this will give you an opportunity to uh, at least know where it's supposed to be and when it's supposed to be and give you a chance at communicating with them. I'm not even looking at you. <laughs> yes, and, you are. <laughs> you clearly are if you're commenting on it. <laughs> I thought you were having a stroke. Um, do you have any questions so far, Russ? No, I'm good. The only thing that bothers me about this whole satellite thing is I realize that the satellites are 20,000-plus miles away, but when you're talking about altitude, I mean sheer altitude of a signal coming off of a device, whether it be an antenna or a satellite passing overhead, I mean, surely the radio frequency is enough to get there, even from a base install. The thing about it is uh, radio frequencies lose lose something in the translation and what i mean is it's not like you can uh it's not like they can send pictures back from saturn on a on a five watt handy talkie 
They have to use high gate antennas, and I think some of those transmitters are probably less powerful than that. But they have to use high gate antennas and stuff like that to be able to get the pictures back from some of these uh, spacecraft that take pictures of other planets. You know, we call it ground effect when we're down here on Earth, and even though it's not as pronounced when you're talking to the satellites, you still lose some signal in the path in between the antenna and the satellite itself. So you may have to give it a little boost. It's not like you can run uh, run 5-watt QRP CW and do moon bounce, or at least I've never heard of anybody doing that. There may be someone out there uh, able to do that, but I've never heard it. So that's basically what it is. You have to get some uh, some signal pointed at that at that uh, satellite before it'll be able to hear you. There are some that are close enough that they can actually hear you on something simple. I worked the uh, space shuttle in the 80s. You need really need to take your seizure seizure medicine. I worked the uh, shuttle in the 80s off the radio in my car. Since the space station's been up, I have pinged it with my packet. I've, I've pinged the packet station on the uh, on the station. I couldn't actually make a contact because it went over too fast, and my antenna is fixed. But I was at least able to get a response from it as it was going overhead. And with these uh, lower, closer satellites, it's way easier to do. Now, there are guys out there that uh, they're out there running CW over these satellites. They're running digital over these satellites. The slow-moving ones are better for this kind of stuff, but uh, they're even doing it on some of the some of the fast-moving ones. Is that the only question you had? Oh, pretty much. I, I know when uh, all of this has subsided and all the silliness has gone away, I'll actually go back to listen to this episode and get some of the concrete evidence out of it so don't worry about me well there you go i I, well you know if you're if you're picking it up then everybody else is picking it up and i know it's probably something you either never approached before or something that's been a long time since you've done it so that's one of the reasons that we use uh satellite tracking programs now a lot of us in the past have used them to track the shuttle because before they had aris they had (laughs) sarix all those acronyms before they had uh, A-R-I-S-S, they had S-A-R-E-X, which was uh, amateur radio operators operating from the space shuttle. And the majority of the guys that go up in the shuttle right now until it quits, those astronauts are licensed amateur radio operators. The majority of them carry uh, five calls. He, he, he. Uh, Houston amateur, uh, what is it? Uh, Johnson Space Center Amateur Radio Club. Yeah, I, I have a five to, call. That's good. I like that. You have a five I, call too. There you go. I tried to get a look at their station last time I was down there, but uh, there wasn't anybody down there that could show me around that day. So now we've talked about uh, some of the some of the basic stuff that you may not understand when people are talking about it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about rigs and stuff. But uh, let's we probably need to go ahead and take us a break real quick, and then we'll come on back. How do you feel about that, Russ? Oh, you're calling on me to make music again. Uh, musica. All right. Well, I suppose if we must, we must. Musica in your bini nachos. <laughs> we'll be right back. Of it all, the absence of it all. Oh, baby, I'd come kiss me. 
played some music we've made a pit stop life is good and we're going to talk a little bit more about satellites uh for you linux guys thank you for bearing with us uh, for those you those non-amateur radio linux guys that are in here uh thank you for bearing with us i'm trying to do my best to keep russ from firing me all right <laughs> So we talked about uh, some of the basic stuff, you know, some of the, the sp- basic concepts that go along with operating satellites. And, um, you know, this doesn't even encompass things like meteor scatter and other modes like that. We uh, Mostly we're talking about the guys that are working sideband on the, on the transponders on some of these, some of these spacecraft. 
But uh, something else you're going to have to look at is your equipment considerations. Now, when I first got licensed, we still had birds up that you could work uh, with an HF rig. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but uh, there was a time when there were birds that uh, you worked on 15 and 10 meters. I think there might have even been one or two on 20 at the time. I'm not sure. We never heard them much, but on 15 and 10, there were, there were ones that you could work. Either you worked them 10 to 15 or 15 to 10 meters, or they were on 15 or uh, 10 meters, and you worked them 2-meter sideband also. I believe most of those have gone uh, gone out of service at this time. They were building phase, the Phase 3D satellite, and they call it something else now. And uh, it's been up for some time, but it's my understanding it's never functioned up to expectations. But here on the ground, we want to we, we wanna take a look at it. Most dual-band radios that will operate sideband, and even some HF rigs, I have an HF rig here that will work uh, sideband on VHF and uh, UHF or uh, 2 meters and 70 centimeters. I think that's right. If I had the proper antenna set up, I could work satellites using it. I don't have that at this time. You probably want to get as much gain as possible on your antennas. So beam antennas are a must in some shape, form, or fashion. It's like I was saying earlier, my father's got a little cross-polarized, and that's something we didn't talk about a while ago for you newer guys, but has a cross-polarized, uh, handheld, uh, four or five element beam antenna that he can use for that, which uh, he's tried to use for it, but unfortunately he's got a little shake in his hand that don't work too well. So most of the time, he, uh, I think he opts to use it for direction finding. But if you can get them mounted and uh, get a couple of beams, now cross-polarization, let me, let me go back to that. For those of you that are new to the hobby, Either, you know, this show, there's a lot of people listen to this show, and we try and uh, make sure that we at least hang back enough where the new guys don't get lost. But a cross-polarized antenna is one that, uh, for the most part, is polarized horizontally and vertically at the same time. There are other polarization modes, uh, helical polarization, uh, circular polarization horizontal, vertical, blah, blah, blah. But uh, in a cross-polarized antenna, you will have the antennas 90 degrees to each other for the most part, which uh, since a satellite tends to roll, kind of roll and tumble in its orbit, you know, it doesn't go through the air like a bullet or a, a football. It kind of rolls and tumbles and sways back and forth as it's, going through its orbit, it's best to have something that has more than one polarization mode. A lot of guys use circular polarization because that cuts down on something called libration fading, and that's uh, not libration fading. It's a modulation mode that comes from uh, the movement of the satellite, but that's a little more in-depth than we're going to go tonight. So they uh, do make rotators, rotors, rotators, rotors, that uh, are able not only to swing in the horizontal plane uh, 360 degrees, but they are able to swing in the vertical plane. Some will go 180 degrees. Uh, the majority of them, I think, only go 90 degrees. And you can use those to track your satellite. Now, uh, some of the software, as you're tracking the so satellite, it will show you what the actual frequency you need to be on is to uh, transmit and receive as the satellite is coming towards you and moving away. It uh, compensates for the Doppler shift and will show you the actual frequencies you need to be using. Now, in most cases, you have to, uh, well, not in most cases, but in some cases, you have to have your hand on that dial and move it slowly up and down frequency as you're trying to make that contact. Now, I went ahead and told you those two things together first. Another part of the most of these uh, new modern satellite tracking programs, and I haven't had a chance to play with it on the Linux side yet, but I know that uh, I've dealt with a couple that will do it when I was running uh, exclusively Windows here. There are some uh, programs that will not only calculate where the satellite's supposed to be, 
AOS, LOS, all this other stuff. But if you have your rig plugged in and you have your rig control working, they will adjust the frequency to where it needs to be as the satellite is coming over, coming over uh, your location. There is also software for some of these uh, rotors that can be loaded and set up so that your antennas will track the satellite without intervention. Now, they don't do it by listening to signal. They do it by time, what time it is. So this is one of those cases where you need to make make sure that your system clock on your computer is accurate. But uh, they will compensate. They will swing horizontal and vertical from input from the computer to keep that satellite in the crosshairs, as it were. Well, it is apt with a cross-polarized antenna, but uh, keep that satellite in the crosshairs as it goes over so you have the maximum chance of getting the best signal you can to them. The rest of it, the rest of it, skills you'll have to acquire. Getting the QSO done quickly, getting the information down, knowing how to set your rig, whether you're using a linear or using a inverting or non-inverting transponder, uh, that kind of stuff. Like I said, we've, we've pushed a lot of information in here. A lot of higher level stuff is coming through here and I don't want anybody to get lost. So once again, if you have any questions, if you have any questions at all, send me an email and we'll discuss it. Now, last but not least, and I've been holding off this part towards the until the end, getting the information you need to work these satellites. Now, in a lot of cases, all the satellite frequencies are published. In the case of the orbital elements, the Keplerian elements that you would need to load into a piece of uh, satellite tracking software, that is freely available also. Uh, I can't remember if the uh, if there's a set of Keps that comes out of the U.S. Navy or it comes out of uh, the National Institute of Standards, same place it does WWV. But that's pretty easy to track down on the Internet. I'm drawing on information that it's been quite a few years since I've actually looked at the information. And some of the stuff I've told you may have changed slightly, but it's going to be basically the same. Frequencies are not an issue. Uh, Orbital elements are not an issue. But you may need more help. And unfortunately, as much as I hate taking any of these evil empires that we talk about quite often and uh, suggesting them to y'all, I'm going to have to suggest AMSAT. Now, AMSAT is the the guys that uh, pretty much put our satellites up. They're the guys that are in charge of the the projects. They're the guys that uh, do what they have to do to to book the space on whatever rocket or uh, on the shuttle or however that package is going to be delivered to space. They're the guys that are heavily involved in these uh, the uh, shuttle radio experiment and the space station radio experiment. Unfortunately, they've got a stranglehold on, on some of the market, which makes them another one of those evil empires. And you cannot send AMSAT an email and say, could you tell me this, this, and this, because uh, that information is probably not going to be freely available from them. However, if you go ahead and join AMSAT, you will have access to that information. Uh, your uh, membership for them is going to going to help finance some of these uh, some of these satellites. And I'm not talking about the giant, just the giant giant uh, phase three D satellites. These big, huge monsters. It's going to go into financing things as small as the CubeSats. Or even the spacesuit sat. That was an AMSAT project. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all may have heard of that or followed it, but that was an AMSAT project also. Satellites are definitely a tra- tradition in the amateur radio hobby. Uh, we were some of the first to uh, track satellites across the sky, starting with Sputnik. Amateur radio operators were asked to follow that as it went across the sky, mainly for defense purposes on our end, but... That gets us into that whole we are pawns of the government thing, and we won't go there that right now. However, go check out the AMSAT booth next AMSAT ham fest you're at where there's where they have one. Go check out their site. Read up on the satellites. 
go to the league bookstore or Amazon or someplace. I prefer Amazon and y'all can click through from the other site to get there mainly because that helps all of us out, uh, both shows, everything else, uh, download some information, get some information on these satellites. If that's what you're wanting to pursue, I cannot stress how much I am willing to answer questions on this. If y'all want to ask them, remember it's been quite a few years since I actually looked into it the last time, but I think considering certain circumstances that have come up recently, I'm going to try and get my father to go ahead and set his station up like he's been trying to do for a couple years. So with that, you got any questions now, Russ? I don't know. You've been very thorough in your explanation of satellite communication. Boy, I can ramble on forever and a day. And Russ thought this was going to be another one of them losing, losing our minds fest like we had a couple months ago. Well, in a way, I'm kind of disappointed it wasn't, but we had a little bit of it at the beginning, and then you uh, put out a lot of, you know, excellent information that everybody can sit through and listen and understand, and there was no shenanigans or tomfoolery in the middle, and in a way, that's probably the way this thing should go. Maybe it's not as entertaining as it could be, but the inter- the uh, information is out there. True, I think I'm about halfway into a state of uh, irreparable coma. So Irreparable oblivion kind of thing. Something like that. I think I need okay. something to eat. Those cookies only, were good, though. The, the only person we really need to worry about is Az over there. He's going to go tell all them cranks that we gone soft in the head and talking amateur radio instead of Linux and stuff and everything else. But i tell you what, just to make up for it, uh, we're going to look into some of the Linux satellite tracking programs, and we will bring you some info on that as things progress. Well, who's got the, who, who got cookies? I've got cookies. Well, I had cookies, but I ate them. Man. I'm sorry. Doggone it. If you That's weren't okay. six and a half got, hours away, got, I'd have given you a couple. I got some in the other room. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, I got a couple of guys over at the Fresh Ubuntu Podcast. Uh, Fresh couple, Ubuntu uh, Podcast. <laughs> the Fresh Ubuntu Podcast. I've been watching the Olympics apparently too much. The Fresh Ubuntu Podcast. Anyway, I got a couple of guys over there who seem interested in the program, so hopefully they'll start listening. Oh, Pete and uh, Pete and Harlem. They're good guys. No, 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 not Pete and Harlem, a couple of other guys, a couple of the did other you, ones. Did you say Fresh Ubuntu? I said Fresh Ubuntu, yeah. That's supposed to be Pete and Harlem. Well, no, 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 they're the host guys, but I'm talking about uh, guys who hang out in the Fresh Ubuntu. The Fresh Ubuntu at the uh, yeah, the IRC channel, say, yes? Well, if you if you can get Cafe Ninja on here, we'll get him on here and let him talk. I like it. I like it, listening to what he has to say. No, it's yeah. not the Cafe Ninja, but I will try. He's over he, at the Cranks. I will give it a. I will give it a my best effort. Okay. Well, he was doing uh, he was doing Man Page Minute for Fresh Ubuntu for a while, so he he got it on the ball. As what do you think about Cafe Ninja? Who? As. Asmuth. Is Asmuth in the chat room? Well, yes. Did you forget already? I guess I did. I think he dozed off. Well, I will go over to the Linux cranks and ask Azimuth if he would more to be interested in to leave. What, uh, who the hell are we asking? Cafe Ninja. Oh, yes. If he'd be interested in asking a Cafe Ninja, if he'd be interested in talking about the Linux in the Amshack. Who is that? Ustreamer87764. Who is that? Do I know you? And if I don't know you, can tell Cafe Ninja we want to come over and visit the show. Are you the Ubergart or are you the D- the door to door geek? Is the Ubergart? Yes, there I had go. it incorrect. Oh no, I had it correct. Yes. In fact, unfortunately, I'm sorry that this may be the first time you come to listen to us. But unfortunately, when Russ has cookies, he turns into Fab. That's right. When I go into the uh, Canadian Club Plus of chocolate cheap cookies. I become a Swedish. I don't know what happened. No, Fab is German. Is it the German? I think it's uh, much more Scandinavian, I I think. 
Yeah, okay. Well, he turns into Fab anyway, which is better than turning into Bert and Ernie, so. (laughs) (laughs) I actually kind of like that. I wish I I could continue that. Well, I could continue it somehow, but we probably need to end the show at some point. At some point, we need to end the show. I think we got about 45 minutes of actual audio, and there's probably enough bullshit. <laughs> i'm sure there is we i'm unfortunately the last couple of shows we've been going almost two hours and at some point i think we decided that an hour was uh reasonable for what we not, were putting out not enough well some Never people enough. say it's not enough Never but enough. i don't know i like to keep it to a point no. where people can stay sane when they listen to the show who who well i guess it doesn't matter I guess, uh, wait a minute, who's a friend of the Cranks? I'm a friend of the Cranks. I just haven't had the opportunity to get back over there. See, I knew I was going to get replaced. Russ is turning Swedish, as opposed to a month or so back when we were turning Japanese. I like the Swedish, yeah. And uh, like the, uh, well, actually, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Never mind. You go ahead and finish up. We've reached a point in our program where we begin to lose our minds. That's because we do. However, uh, we would like to thank you all for showing up this time around. And uh, we're going to hang around with the guys in the chat room a few minutes, but we're going to go ahead and cut the show short because we say stuff in the chat room that y'all might want to hear, but you got to be here to hear it. So we talked about some satellites. We, we answered a few questions. I've totally confused y'all. Russ is turning Swedish, and I think our job is done here. So, uh, if y'all want to get a hold of me, go ahead and send me an email at kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com. Or as Russ would say it, Kilo Bravo 5, Juliet Bravo Victor at blacksparrowmedia.com. Now, I could spell the rest of it phonetically, but I'm not going to. Or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm KB5JBV. You can follow me on Facebook. I don't care. KB5JBV over there too. And Identica. And I always let the Identica slip. And I should probably have more people following me over there so I'm not using the crap. With that, I'm going to throw it on over to Russ and let him give you all the rest of the information because he's been far too quiet tonight. And y'all going to think that I came back and I took over, that there's been a coup d'etat and everything else. So go ahead, Russ. Well, we're happy that you kind of took over, actually, because then I'd have gone Swedish about 20 minutes earlier and things would have gone straight to hell. But anyway, you can reach me at K5TUX at BlackSparrowMedia.com. You can find me on MySpace, Identica, Foursquare, uh, Facebook, and all of those places using the moniker J.R. Woodman. I happen to be K5TUX over at 73s.org if you happen to use that website as well. Uh, if you want to, you can continue to make donations to the podcast. We have our donation quota for the Dayton Hamvention, but that doesn't mean we couldn't use a dollar or two more to get uh, to get a uh, noise gate over there for Richard. We have to get a hamburger while we're there, too. A hamburger up at uh, Dayton? At Dayton, Dayton Hamburger. Yeah, that's true. If you want to send us over two or three bucks so that we can buy a hamburger up at Dayton, that'll be fine. So we're going to be at Dayton. I hope everybody can come out and see us when we're there. And it would be really nice to meet all of our followers, listeners, and so on and so forth. Send us an email. You can go to the website at blacksparrowmedia.com, stroke LHS. Leave us a comment. Leave us a voice comment at 888-455-0305. Or if you don't happen to be in the United States uh, toll-free calling area, call 417-429-4069. We will be happy to hear from you. We love to hear from you. We want to hear from all of our fans, listeners, haters, whoever you happen to be. Although, if you happen to be a hater and you have hate mail, kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com is where to send that. Anyway, we'll send it back to Richard because we're just about to wind this episode up and he's going to tell us where he's at and I'm going to tell you where I'm at. Then we're going to say goodbye and then we'll see you in two weeks. And send all your hate mail to K5TUX at Black Sparrow Media. KB5JBV so at Black Sparrow Media. Down here in Ball Springs, <laughs> Texas. This is KB5JBV. Is it KB5JBV at Black Sparrow Media.com? You sure? You sure? Are you going to sign off for what? Well, you got to sign off first. I did. <laughs> All right, do it. 
Well, thank you, everybody, for listening on this Fat Tuesday. I, you know, it's too bad that everybody's not down in New Orleans to uh, enjoy and, take and participate in all of this stuff down there and the Mardi Gras celebration, but we will be back in a couple of weeks. And Richard, KB5JBV, is down there in Ball Springs, Texas, and I'm up here in the peaks of the Ozarks. This is K5TUX, and we will see you next time.